What else do you guys like to do as a family? Eat cookies. What else do you guys do together? Um, make cookies. Um, play Legos. <laughs> Things we do together. <laughs> guitar Hero, the new Guitar Hero. I'm beast at that game. She is the best one out of the whole family, that's for sure. So. I'm the worst one out of the family. <laughs> yeah. As a family, what are some things that you guys do together? Uh, we fight. <laughs> we don't do that. Well, we do, but, um... To me, when I think of family, I just think of the people that are dearest to me, that I love the most, and just the people in my life that I can count on no matter what. How about you? People that I have permission to pick on. <laughs> no holds bar. We can tell who the jokester is in the family, not me. <laughs> Well, hello, Heritage. Want to welcome all of you. Greetings to our family at Bendorf, each of you here at Rock Island, and those joining us online. This is the beginning of our Family Tree series, where we're taking some time to explore and celebrate a bit of the who, what, why, and how of family. And I'm glad you're here, but I want to be clear up front that this is not a series just for parents with kids, or for grandparents, or for married people, or even for adults, for that matter. This series is for everyone, those who are single and those who are married, those who have kids and those who do not have kids, those with young kids and those with old kids, or maybe I should say those who are sleep deprived and those who are not sleep deprived. This series and conversation is for everyone. It's not just designed for the normal family either, because I think if we're honest with each other, there is no such thing as a normal family. There's all all of us have some level of weirdness in our family. You may think of your family and think, you know what, my family's temperamental. My family's temperamental, which means that half of them have a temper and half of them are mental. <laughs> temperamental. That may be your family. And quite honestly, there is no normal family. Families are not normal. Let's do this. Raise your hand if you have weird people in your family. Get them up high, Bettendorf, get in on this. Okay, pretty much everybody, yeah. There's weirdness in our family. Now, raise your hand if you are that weird person in your family. It's okay. Put it up there. Yep, that's okay. Thank you for your honesty. Now, if you're sitting here today and you're struggling, like, I'm not really sure who that weird person is. I'm not sure who I would label as the weird person. Put your hand up for me. Just, just shoot up a little bit. Okay, because I love you, I need to tell you it probably means you are the weird person in your family. It's because I love you. I tell you this. Families are not normal. Let me talk to the teens and kids for a moment. Teens, kids, with me right here. Listen, raise your hand if you think you have weird parents. It's okay, you're in church, you're protected. All right, raise your hand if you think you have weird parents. You're safe right now after church, you're on your own, but you're good right now. You with me? Okay, good. Now, kids, all of you, whether you raise your hand or not, look at your parents. Just, just turn and look at your parents. It may be a little awkward if you just raised your hand, but hang with it, don't look away. Okay, as you're looking at your parents, know this, that's you in 25 years. That is you. That is you. <laughs> There's no such thing as a normal family. We're all different. We're all unique. We, we almost called this series Family Circus. But we decided that Family Tree fit better. Because this is a conversation for everyone. It's for every part of, of the tree. It's for every branch. And that's incredibly important because we all come from a family. 
We all come from a family. In fact, that's your first fill-in. We all come from a family. If you're tracking in your sermon note guide, you just received this on the way in, I encourage you to use this as a helpful tool as we study God's Word today. And the first fill-in is that we all come from a family. We all have an ancestry. We all have a genealogy. We come from a family tree. You may be very close to your family and know them well, or you may not be close at all. You may not even know them at all and never have known them, but they still shape us. They still inform our traits, our mannerisms, even the way we think and act, even in their absence. Physically, their DNA is in us. They influence us. Even in the absence, the absence of family shapes us in our emotional and relational journey. And we all come from a family. It may be dysfunctional, it may be crazy, it may be connected or may be scattered. But we come from a family. And family gives us roots and wings. The family tree is rooted and reaching. The family tree connects the past and the future to the present. We all come from a family. Now, the definition of family in the dictionary consists of a couple different expressions. First of which is simply this. Any group of persons closely related by blood as parents, children, uncles, aunts, and cousins... That's one definition of family. Here's another definition. All those persons considered as descendants of a common progenitor. So just those who descend from a common person. But then there's another definition. A group of persons who form a household under one head, including parents, children, and servants. Family. Look, we can form family by blood or by choice. By blood or by choice. A family formed by blood is our birth family. Here's a picture of my birth family. This is a picture of my mom and dad up front, my brother Jim in the back left, and me in the back right in the late 80s. Looking good. This is family formed by blood, my birth family. But we can also form family by choice. Let me show you a picture of my family formed by choice. I fell in love with this woman in the middle. I married her and we had two kids. We formed a family by choice and have started a family by blood. We can form family by blood and we can form family by choice. We can even gather with affinity and form family around beliefs or those kinds of things. But there is another family that in some ways is stronger and more impactful than all of them. And it's the family that is formed by blood, by choice, by faith. All three together. A family formed through the blood of Jesus, a choice to submit to his authority as Lord in our life, and a commitment to live by faith. A family formed by blood, by choice, and by faith. And we, as a church family, are just that. We're a family. In all of our oddities, in all of our quirks, in all of the uniqueness and the drama that we may bring to it. We're not perfect. But there's a beauty in the complexity. We, we laugh together, and we cry together, and we learn together. We struggle with one another, but we also support one another, and we stand with one another. And if I'm honest, many of the most meaningful relationships that I have in my life are not by shared blood, but by shed blood. It's not the physical birth, but the spiritual birth. It's not the biological family, but the theological family. 
We are family. We don't necessarily look alike, act alike, even think alike, but what makes us family is who we submit ourselves to, who we identify ourselves with. And we submit to Jesus. He is the one head. We go back to that definition of family. The reality is a household under one head. We, as a church, are family. And that's not just something we desire, which we do. It's not even our idea. It's God's design. God designed us to be family. Here's how the missionary church planner Paul talked about it in Galatians. He said, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ, Je- in Christ Jesus. All children of God, one family. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Then he goes on to say, And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham, you are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. We all come from a family, and we are family by blood, by choice, by faith. Now, in traditional thinking of this day, many people looked at a relationship with God being the equivalent of how well they followed rules or followed the law. That to be close to God, to be a child of God, meant that you followed the rules really, really well. But what Paul is saying here in Galatians, he's actually pushing on that understanding and saying that we are actually considered sons or daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. It's by blood, by choice, by faith. When he says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's family formed by blood, by choice, by faith. His sacrifice, our submission, and our obedience. That's very different than rules or performance or being good enough. That it's based in behavior. See, becoming a son or daughter of God is by faith in Jesus which is more than just believing that he existed or that he did a few things. It's placing our full trust and confidence in hope in him for what we have in life, in this life and the next. And and Paul, as he's writing, is connecting that to baptism. He's not saying that we are saved in baptism. Baptism is is the outward declaration of that inward commitment. What Paul is saying here is he's saying that we are united and identified with Christ. Through baptism. We put on Christ like new clothes. It's a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful expression. In fact, it was last weekend that we as a church family across our network witnessed 40 people who stepped into the waters of baptism and put on Christ. It was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if you missed it, or even if you were here, I want to take a moment and let's just reflect on what happened through the course of that weekend through this. So take a look.
joy, light in my soul, the joy, 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 making me whole. Though I'm broken, I am running into your arms of love, into your arms. Man, I never get tired of that. It never gets old for me to see God transforming lives, making people new, where they're positioned to be free to live in Jesus. Never get tired of it. it. It goes back to what Paul talked about in verse 27. All who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. And it was a, it was a great way to celebrate the, that we are free to live in Jesus. Last week was a great way to wrap up our He Still Moves Stone series. But I want to be clear about something as we, as we continue forward even now. That this is not just a place to come to experience, have, have an experience in life. This is a place we gather to experience true life, life to the full. We gather in this space to experience him. And, and, and we come from a family, we are a family, but we are also shaped by our family. If you're still tracking your note guide, we are shaped by our family. We're shaped by our what? Family. It shapes us. We are who we are because of or in spite of our family. The family we do life with shapes us. How we think, how we behave, how we love, how we communicate, what we value, how we trust. E even what we risk in and, and what we believe in. And again, this, this family tree journey is for you. This isn't about parents with kids. This isn't about a particular stage of family life. This is ultimately for everyone, it's for you. Your identity, your impact, your influence in life. And the principles we're talking about will apply directly to parents with kids and, and grandparents with grandkids. But they also apply to people who have spiritual kids or spiritual grandkids where you've made an investment in somebody else to the point that they have now stepped into the family by blood, by choice, by faith. This conversation is for everyone. And the investments we make in others impact others. It impacts us in our own personal development. And it lays a foundation for generations to come. That's why this conversation is important. But you don't have to take my word for it. I want to look at what God has to say about this. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it and turn or click to the Old Testament, to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy literally means second law. And that's appropriate because God first gave his instructions, his law at Mount Sinai to the people. But what happens next as they don't enter the promised land and they wander for 40 years and a whole generation passes away, they do not pass the instructions. They don't pass the law. So God has to give the law again, the second law. He gives it with a few additional elements, but it's the same law from the beginning. And, and Moses is positioned to pass it on to the next generation. And he does it through three speeches or three sermons right before the people of God step into the promised land. And here's what Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting with verse 1. He says, These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands... You will enjoy a long life. Let me just put this. This is conditional. It's conditional. If you obey, 
If you obey his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children, physical and spiritual, in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Look, he's starting out in this section talking about an individual responsibility. Talking about the reality that that we have a responsibility in how we live personally. As a model, as an example, but in obedience. And we are all responsible and accountable for our own actions. Salvation is not transferred. We have to make our own decision to receive life by blood, by choice, by faith. Just because our parents have had a faith and have experienced salvation, we do not inherit that. Their faith can influence us. But we have to make our own choice. Salvation is not transferred. God does not have grandchildren. He only has children. And he invites each of us into relationship with him through Jesus, by blood, by choice, by faith. And whenever we make the decision to do that, when we do that, we're not to live in isolation. We're not to do this on our own. We're not made to do life on our own. We are designed to live in the context of family, in the family of God, which is why as a family we go, As a family is how we move. As a family is how we grow. It's as a family that we go. Not individually. We're not designed to to live in the context of an isolated relationship in life. We're designed to live in the context of family. The family of God. Not as lone rangers. Not in isolation. We are made to journey through life in relationship. In all of its complexity. In all of the ups and downs. As a family, we go. And Moses is just setting a tone, saying, look, all the things I just explained to you, the things you have just heard, here's how you begin to live them out. And he starts with the individual part, but now he's about to connect it to the family dynamic. And when he does it, he identifies four specific expressions for how the people of God are to remember the instructions of God. Here's what what he goes on to say, starting with verse 4. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. I mean, just hold right there. These words right here are words that Jesus referenced. You may recall that when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? This was his response. Jesus pointed to these words. Jesus understood these words to be important. He spoke them and directed us to follow them as the greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. That's significant. And then Moses continues. He says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Right here in this moment, Moses shifts from the individual piece to the community or corporate piece. He moves from the individual responsibility to the family dynamic. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Very clearly, Moses is saying, God's instructions need to have prominence in our life. They need to have priority in our life, but he puts it in the context of community. It's not just something we do individually. It's something that we ultimately do together. And Moses specifically says that there are four moments in our day, moments in our rhythm of life that we are to recall and and point out and instruct on the things that God speaks of. Maybe you saw them. 
Let's go back and look at them. They're either at home and on the road, going to bed and getting up. Four different specific areas and four specific times of day. There's a natural rhythm to them. It, it's, it's the morning and night. It's driving. It's meals. If we were to sit down and break those down, Moses is saying, look, there are key rhythms in life that we can make the most of the opportunities before us. And he's doing this because he wants the people to understand that we have to build quality into our quantity. We need to build quality into our quantity. We need to make the time that we have actually count by building quality into everyday moments. And that quality is the space to actually have the conversations about the things that matter most in the morning and at night, as we travel, as we eat. Now, this may seem like a very simple and easy thing to do, and it can be, but I think actually we struggle as a people to make the best use of our time, even to do the right thing at the right time. Perhaps you can think of an occasion where you had to confront a major issue in someone else's life. Or as someone was talking with you, they wanted to confront you and make a, about a point or something in your own life. Maybe it was just something heavy, something significant or meaningful. In that conversation, most of the time, nine times out of ten, we don't start with that issue. When we sit down across from that person, we start with small talk. We chat, we catch up, we talk about their life. I, I get why we do that. It, it's hard and uncomfortable to engage the significant issues of life. And we may even be thinking, I'm just laying a foundation of relational connection to be able to speak about the hard, heavy thing in life. That may be true, but here's the truth beyond that. That 90% of conversation is easy, and 10% is hard. 90% is easy, and 10% is hard. So what we do is we front load the 90, and we save the hard more significant for the last 10%. And when we do that, the most important, important part of the conversation is either hurried or never gotten to at all. Think about it. It's true in marriage. It's true in parenting. It's true in business. It's true in relationships in general. We front load the easy and save the hard for last. And that rarely works. It just happened for me recently. I had a friend of mine ask for a bit of time. We sat down together for an hour. Talked about good stuff. Actually, talked about great stuff. But it was in the last 10 minutes that we actually talked about the thing that prompted the request for the meeting. 90% of conversation is easy. And so we often front load the easy and we save the hard, important part for last, where it's either hurried or never gotten to at all. We, we, we do this in a larger scale. We do it when, when guests are getting ready to leave is when we say the most meaningful words that we had for them. When our children are getting to go, ready to go off to college, that's when we think we need to offer the advice because it's got to be now or never. We wait until a loved one is dying to say the words and the things that matter most. Sadly, most often, never getting the chance because it's too late. It's a natural thing that we do. We place the most important part of the conversation last. We cram it in, and it really doesn't work. We front load the easy, and we try to do the hard last. But the only way that we can go forward in relationship, the only way that we love well, the only way we prepare the next generation is that we have the whole conversation. That we take that last 10% and we move it to the front, or at least toward the front. And we do it in ongoing conversation and relationship. And Moses tells us how to do that. 
He reminds us not to wait, but instead to talk. When you are at home, when you are on the road, and when you are going to bed, and when you are getting up. It's interesting that what was written and spoken thousands of years ago still fits really, really well in the rhythms of life today. It fits and works for us. Now, it, what happens in our family life, our dynamic in family can change as our children grow and things happen within that journey, but there is a natural rhythm to how we live our lives, and we would be yet wise to use it, to make the most of opportunities in that natural rhythm to talk about the things that matters most with our family. We need to build quality into our quantity. Be intentional with the time we have. Here's a hard reality about life. We can, we can always obtain more things, and we can always earn more accolades and credentials. We can even make more money, but we can never make more time. Our time is a set quantity, 168 hours a week. That's why it is so important to know how to use that time well. And if you've struggled in this area, area I want to encourage you, it's never too late. It's never too late to lay a good foundation and to start to do this kind of thing intentionally. Here's what it's going to take, though. It takes thinking in terms of time, our use of time. Now, let me, let me just pause for a second and calibrate to one of the values we have as a family here in our church. I draw on these things a lot, but I do it for purpose. See, we all learn differently some of us are auditory learners, so the spoken and written word is how we best learn. Others of us are more visual, and so seeing a concept, a diagram, a picture, an illustration is how we learn better. And the truth of God's word and the things of who he is and what it means for us in our life are too important not to try to connect all those things. And so we engage in a mix of audio and visual things. That's intentional. I mean, as parents, you know this. You actually do this already. If you're a parent, let's say you're a parent of a family of five. It's you, it's your spouse, and you have three kids, a teenager, a preteen, and a preschooler. Loads of fun. <laughs> in that family of five dynamic, if you're going to talk about a significant subject, a heavy subject, you're not going to talk to your spouse the same way you talk to your preteen about that subject. You're not going to talk to the teenager the same way you're going to talk to the preschooler. You engage each of the family in a manner that they can receive and understand and journey together. And that's why I use visual and auditory realities. And I just want to encourage you, if what I do over here doesn't connect with you, don't worry, it's okay. Take, take joy in celebrating the fact that it connects to another member of the family. Because we're all moving together as a family. So I draw. I write things on the board. And we're talking about building quality into our quantity. One of the primary factors is the factor of time. But that's not the only thing we need to consider. We need to consider our communication, we need to consider our role, and we need to consider the goal. These are four realities that we're going to engage in and out of through the course of our Family Tree series. They're actually out of the heart of our curriculum that we use across our heritage network within our kids' ministry. The idea of the time investment, the, what we're communicating, the role we have in that, and the goal we have in that. But the most significant part or the most shaping part of this is how we use our time. It's the use of time. And if we look at Moses' instructions and what he taught, we see a natural rhythm in time that creates four natural moments to use time well to build quality into quantity. And those four things are the morning, 
the drive, meals, and night. These four moments are, are natural touch points for building quality into the quantity in our life to make the most of the time that we have so that we speak about the most important things, that last 10% that we wait till the end or never really get to, we can actually front load into these moments. And we've got to make the most of our opportunities. Time is a limited quantity in our life, and it's important that we maximize opportunities in every area of life. Here's what Paul said about opportunities in Galatians. He said, therefore, as we have opportunity, as we, as we, as we are at home, as we travel on the road, as we get up and as we go to bed, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. How we make the, the best use of time is important as we build quality into quantity. And as we walk through the rest of this series, we're going to unpack time and communication, role and goal, through the lens of morning, drive, meals, and time. Because they are natural touch points for maximizing and bringing quality into the quantity that we have. In fact, one of the ways that we want to help do that, if you've got your note guide, go ahead and turn to page three. At the very bottom of that page, you're going to see some information, some questions, and information about an app. And if, and if you have preschool or elementary kids in your world or grandkids, I encourage you, and you've got a smartphone, I encourage you to download the ParentQ app because it connects directly to that morning and night meals and drive reality. And as we walk through this journey, we're going to bring questions into this conversation that you can use as you sit in those spaces. And for this week coming up, I encourage you to use the questions at the bottom and say, what was the best thing about your day? What was the worst thing about your day? How did you mess up today? And how have you seen God at work? Four simple questions to add quality to your quantity. It's a great way to start in laying a foundation. This weekend, we're laying a foundation for the series, but the series is laying a foundation for life. And it's never too late to start. It's never too late to lay a biblical foundation, to build quality into quantity. And I want to encourage you as you think through, how do I do this? Not to limit yourself to thinking about the, the, the biological kids you have, but to think about what spiritual kids God's want you, God wants you to have. The people he wants you to influence outside of that family by blood, but the family by choice. Who is he placed in your sphere of influence? If you have been blessed, you're positioned to be a blessing. So where does he want you to do that? And if you're an empty nester or you're single, you're actually positioned incredibly well to engage in that reality of trying to build quality into the quantity. So let's do this. Let's just move to a couple of so what realities as we step out of our time today. The first is simply that we all have the opportunity to live in a family. We all have the opportunity to live in a family. That family can be blood, that family can be choice, but that family can also be blood by choice by faith. And if you're here today and you are spiritually unresolved, you haven't had a conversation with Jesus where you have given him authority in your life, you haven't decided where you're going to place your identity, you haven't decided who you're going to clothe yourself with, I want you to know that can change today. And it needs to because life is too short and death too certain to live out of fellowship with God. You can be resolved spiritually today. On the back of the note guide are some simple steps and an example prayer. If you've never had the conversation with God where you move through that into that family dynamic by blood, by choice, by faith, you can do that today by walking through those steps on the back of the guide. When you surrender to Jesus, you find forgiveness. You receive the gift of eternal life and you begin to walk with God. Now you're in the family of God and everyone has an opportunity to live in a family. Paul wrote this in Ephesians. 
He said, now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles, which would be anybody who is not Jewish. So if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's what? His family. Through Jesus, by blood, by choice, by faith. Look, having religion is not the same as having relationship. And having a religion does not create family. It's by blood, by choice, by faith that we can be part of a family. And when we invite Jesus to rescue us as Savior and Lord, we're not just joining a fan club. We're actually identifying ourselves with him. We're putting him on to the point where we live and move and have our being only in him. Therefore, as he stands before God in righteousness, so can we. As he approaches the throne of God in confidence, so can we. As he has victory in spiritual battle, so can we. We don't just associate with Jesus, we identify with Jesus by blood, by choice, by faith. And that makes the difference for, for now and for eternity. And that's what makes us family. And we all have the opportunity to live in a family. There's another reality that we are more together than we are apart. We're more together than we are apart. We are not to live in isolation. We're not made to do life alone. If you were to picture a fire with a bed of coals, you push all those coals together, that bad boy's going to burn forever and put off a lot of heat. But you take one of those coals and you set it off to the side, what happens? It goes out. It grows cold. And that's what happens to us when we live in isolation. When we don't live in the context of community. Spiritually, there is an impact Paul specifically says this. He says, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. We are the family of God by blood, by choice, by faith. It's not the same as, as an organization. The church is a family. When people who engage the church as an organization, it seems like the same because there's some unity and collaboration in organizations. But family is different than organizations. Family has a bond that runs much deeper. And those who engage the church as an organization often miss the greatest joys of what it means to be linked together. They're often the ones who will leave over an issue and never really find that connection of living linked as a family where we do it together, where we struggle and support and stand together. We are more together than we are apart. And we all have an opportunity to live in the context of a family. So here's the deal. As we begin our family tree journey, I wonder what family reality do you need to engage? As we begin the conversation around family tree, what family reality do you need to engage? Engaging may mean starting something new. It may mean fixing something that shouldn't be. It could mean establishing a new practice. What, do you, what reality do you need to engage in regards to family? It, it may mean that, uh, that challenge I gave of thinking outside of your physical family to think about the spiritual family, to say, who is God positioning in your life to lead in relationships so that by blood, by choice, by faith, they become part of his family. If you have been blessed, you're positioned to be a blessing. So he, who has he positioned for you to engage to make a difference? 
sometimes that, that sacrifice, we won't even experience it. And that's actually the heart of God behind the love he wants us to demonstrate. There's an old proverb that goes like this. I like it. He says, a society grows great when, an old, when old men plant trees whose shade they know they will never sit in. I love the heart and the thinking behind that because it's selfless. It reflects the heart of God and it recognizes that what we do today can position generations to come to live in a family and to have life to the full. We can do things now that will impact generations not yet born as we live out the instructions of God in the context of family. So I wonder what family reality you need to engage Where is he calling you next? Where does he want you to risk for his glory and the good of others? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I I am so grateful for your great love. Lord, I, I, I am grateful that you sent Jesus to make a way for us to be restored in relationship. His life, his death, his resurrection changes everything. And I thank you that through him, we can have relationship with you. We can approach your throne. We can, we can have this conversation right now. But also, we can step into a family dynamic. We can be adopted as sons and daughters of you through Jesus. And I thank you for that gift. I pray for those that maybe are thinking about that spiritually unresolved right now, not sure who they want to clothe themselves with, but I pray that you would speak your love, you'd whisper your love to them even now. And for all of those who, who identify themselves by blood, by choice, by faith in your family, God, may you position all of us to make the most of the opportunities you give us, to build quality into the quantity. And may we have eyes to see where you want us to engage the realities of family differently. Maybe it's around the mealtime. Maybe it's on a drive in the morning or at night. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's at work. But Lord, may we be prepared and willing and ready to step boldly and to invest beyond ourselves for generations to come. I love you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.